Welcome to What Do You Know About? My name is Ash, and I will be your tour guide through the lesser-known stories of history. You can join us on your favorite podcast app, or come have a conversation on our Instagram at WDKA Podcast. But first, hold on tight, because we're about to go down a historical rabbit hole with today's episode. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And we are back for another super fun episode full of laughs and giggles. Maybe? No? I swear one day I will find a topic that isn't so dark, but I have no clue when that day will come. So let's dive into another crazy story from the darker side of history, shall we? We have Kelly back, too, for this episode. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. (laughs) Yeah, it's fine. And this was actually her pick for what topics she really wanted to discuss from my list of potential topics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So today we time travel back to the 1930s and 40s for a bit of Nazi history. So let this be your fair dues warning that not everything we talk about is going to be PG or even PG-13. I mean, we are talking about a wartime capture and escape. Also, a couple quick housekeeping things before we get into this episode. Reminder to everyone that we announced last week that we are now available to be subscribed to through Acast Plus for episodes free of advertising as a way of supporting us. Another way that you guys can all support, if you so choose, is through Buy Me A Coffee, which is on our link tree that you can find on our Instagram page as well as in the show notes. All proceeds go towards research materials, technology upgrades, and keeping us available to make these episodes as perfect as possible for all of our listeners. If you can't afford to subscribe or donate, the easiest way to support us is still to make sure that you follow, download, like, rate, share, and review on whatever podcast platform you are using. It helps the algorithm to put us at the top of the list so even more people can find us. Apple Podcasts is probably one of the biggest platforms, so even if you aren't listening to us through there, if you're able to, we'd love if you could rate and review on there as well. Now that that is all shared, Kelly! What do you know about Gertrude Sanford Legendaire? Absolutely nothing. I did not do any homework before I came into this today. Well, I didn't even give you any homework to do, so that's a good thing that you didn't just, like, all of a sudden know who we were talking about. everything. (laughs) It's okay. I've been doing the same thing with Kat that lately I won't even tell her what we're doing, and then it's just a complete surprise as soon as we're on the actual recording. And she's like, wait, what? (laughs) Surprise. I was not prepared for this. (laughs) All right. So our new friend Gertrude was born in 1902 to John and Ethel Stanford. 
John was a member of the House of Representatives for New York, and her grandparents on his side also served in the House, as well as were the owners of a carpet company that did extremely well financially. Her maternal grandparents, also Sanford's, founded Sanford, Florida. Like, as in the state? As in, like, the city in the state, yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. You founded a city. Yeah. They were probably slave owners. Throwback to last week. There is a throwback <laughs> to last week. <laughs> so, Gertrude's parents were second cousins with their grandfathers being brothers. Yeah, there's inbreeding happening. <laughs> okay. Um, it's not even Alabama. No, it's not. <laughs> Gertrude was the youngest of three children, where the three of them are actually said to be the inspiration for the play and subsequent film Holiday. Her older brother, Stephen, was an accomplished polo player known around the world as Laddie. Gertrude always went by the name Gertie, which I will be using from now on in her honor. Growing up, Gertie was an avid hunter. She went big game hunting for the first time in her teens and then continued on to join some of the hunting expeditions around the world. Gertie would be the only woman on these trips, but she would almost always come home with specimens from the Natural History Museum. That's pretty impressive, actually. Right? Like, Especially respect. at that time. Yeah. These hunting trips weren't her only adventures, though. Because of her family wealth, Gertie and her siblings knew a great number of high-society people. For example, Gertie and her sister Sarah spent time in the French Riviera as guests of Scott and Zelda Fitzgerald, Ernest Hemingway, Harpo Marx, and Somerset Maugham. Those are some pretty influential friends. Like, majorly influential friends. And, like, big literary names. Yeah. Yeah, actually, a lot. Like, Fitzgerald. Hemingway. Hemingway. Marx. Maham was... Yeah. Yeah. Impressive. So, the famous writers actually called the two sisters, quote, crazy show-offs. That is saying something, knowing these authors. (laughs) I wonder if any of their books are based on them. Do we know? Possibly, because I know that Hemingway, um, one of his books is uh, literally based off of his time in Paris. So, like, the Fitzgeralds and stuff are, like, characters in a way. Okay, that's pretty neat. So, very possible that they are based loosely somewhere. Um, So, this vacation is actually where Gertie seems to have met her husband, Sidney Legendaire. Sidney was a great match for Gertie, as he also came from a prominent family, his being from New Orleans. It was big name after big name at their wedding in 1929, a year after they met, including the Vanderbilts and the Astors. Rich people. Very rich people. (laughs) The couple decided to purchase some land in South Carolina, 6,700 acres of it to be exact. Medway was the largest plantation in South Carolina and is now a nature reserve. Well, I mean, at least now it's a nature reserve. Well, and, like, being in, like, the mid, like, early mid-1900s, the plantation did have a lot of African Americans working the land. Paid or unpaid? Probably a mixture, (laughs) because as, like, war started and, like, the men were being conscripted... Gertie wasn't too pleased at first because then I think they ended up having only like three people that weren't that they were deemed like unworthy for the conscription. Um, so they had like three people that could work the plantation and work on the home and everything. Oh darn. <laughs> they have to do things themselves. What a shame. Yeah. 
Well, the couple did get to spend some good years together, and then came the outbreak of World War II, which is where I'm going to focus all of our attention today. Sydney joined the U.S. Navy, while Gertie went to join the communications branch in Washington, working on the cable desk. This part of the U.S. war effort was known as the Office of Strategic Services, or the OSS, and later evolved into the CIA. Hmm. You know what? Oh, sorry. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I had a kitty hissing at me for anyone who didn't hear that. <laughs> um, I can't remember what I was going to say. Oh, wait, no, I do. I'm impressed that she just didn't, like, stay home and just be a housewife that she actually went in contributed <laughs> to everything that was going on so i'm liking this lady quite a bit minus her you know slave ownership well in theory slave ownership but she seems pretty neat so far well i mean like she's like looking at her personality i'm not surprised at all that she went off to the war effort because she was very much like, I want to be in on action. I was going to say, she like, did see, like, even with the hunting, maybe a little bit ahead of her time in women's rights. Yeah. Like, she didn't seem like the, I'm just going to focus on, like, all the socialite stuff. Mm-hmm. But she was very much like, okay, I want to be a socialite, but I also want to get down and dirty with the guys. Yeah. <laughs> Had her fingers in everybody's pie. Mm-hmm. So, the cable desk was a pretty safe job for Gertie in the war effort. But we wouldn't be as interested in her story if she stayed in a safe position. She actually had tried to go for some other positions, but was turned down by the Red Cross due to having two small children, and the Library of Congress due to not having the right education. Yeah, because you need a master's degree to be a librarian. (laughs) Pretty much, right? (laughs) In a three-page resume... Gertie noted all of the countries she'd traveled to, her hunting experience, including her skill with rifles and shotguns, her health status, her fluent French, and her outdoor photography skills. She sent this resume to a friend of hers who used to be the president of the Natural History Museum that she assisted in the collection of specimens for. He was able to find her the spy organization that was part of the OSS secret intelligence branch. One issue arose in the background check. And that was the fact that Gertie's sister married an Italian who had been close to Mussolini. The plot thickens. Luckily, Sarah was found to be completely loyal to America and not Italy, so Gertie was cleared for duty. That I guess I didn't care, like, if the husband was pro-American or not. They just cared if, like, her relative was pro-American or not. I mean, I'm sure they know what they're doing, right? Maybe. (laughs) Hopefully. (laughs) So, Gertie's salary would be $150 a month, which was pretty much nothing to Gertie in her bank account. I was going to (laughs) say, wow, that's less than anything that anybody makes now. I think at that time, you were probably like, woohoo, $150 a month, such as a woman. I guess maybe, yeah. you're, You're right. It just seems so foreign, that number. But also... Yeah, to her, she was like, this is nothing. <laughs> yeah, like, to her at that time, she was nothing, but then to everybody else, is probably like, woohoo, we're getting guess, paid! Yes. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> In August of 1942, Gertie and Sydney were separated, as Sydney left for Hawaii with the Navy. A letter from Sydney shows the real true love that they had with each other. The last day with you seemed so extraordinary. 
We talked about the war and other things when we both knew that all we really wanted to say was how much we loved one another and how we dreaded the parting. But I knew if I once let myself go and did, I would remain in tears for the rest of the day. I thought you were wonderful to be able to wave to me as I entered the plane and to wish me good luck. My throat was so choked and my eyes so full of tears that I could not say anything and only waved and then plunged into the plane. Does he know that she's about to be a spy? I think he knows, like, as to, like, what her job is going, like, kind of, like, what her job is going to be. Because, like, at this point, she wasn't really a spy. She was working on the desk. Okay, okay. So she is, in his mind, still safe. Everything is good. Yeah. And it's just two lovers being ripped apart because of war. Pretty much. Classic story. Yeah. So Gertie loved her job at first. Especially as she got to see most of the communication coming through, and she got to engage in the social life of wartime Washington, sitting next to, like, the Rockefellers almost every night. Social climbing. Well, but she did say that she was, with, like, John Rockefeller Jr., she did make a comment, apparently, that he was just, man, not that good looking, and that she didn't really want to sit next to him, but his parents were a good company. This woman seems... Why is she not better known? She seems like she should be a legend. Well, her last name now is technically legendary. That's fair. <laughs> so she is a legend. Um, however, the glitz and glamour of the work started to fade for Gertie. Even as she was commended for her excellent work and made head of the cable desk within a few months. Which she got a bit of a pay raise. So I think she was making like just over $200 a month. But still nothing for her. That's her tip money. Yeah. Gertie did everything that she could to get transferred to Hawaii. Where she'd be closer to Sydney. But most women were refused in their bids to go like overseas. Because they considered Hawaii basically overseas. Because it was closer to like more of like a war front. Since that's where the Japanese bombed them. Sadly, she couldn't sweet-talk her way to Hawaii, so she switched tactics and tried for pretty much any position she could get overseas. Just anywhere overseas? Like, she was basically like, just send me anywhere but here. Okay. <laughs> um, her contact that got her the job in the OSS in the first place promised that if she stayed in Washington, he could get her an assignment in either London or Cairo. He was true to his word, and soon she was off to London to do the same job that she did in Washington. But at least she's in London now, which, I mean, at the time probably was not as fun as it is to be now. No. But dashing (laughs) dudes with accents. Well, nothing about Gertie's life could be drama-free. And that includes how she talked about her travels to London. So the boat ride seemed to be fairly drama-free, as she reassured Sydney that she'd be fine since no Portuguese boats had been sunk yet. She then boarded a a blacked-out British flying boat that was made to avoid the attacks from German fighter planes. Partway through the channel, the plane loses power in one of its engines, being forced to make an emergency landing with its occupants, Gertie included, being transferred to shore by the Royal Navy. I would... I would not be okay during this. I think I would be very stressed. She seems like she would have handled it like, no big deal, guys. Like, eh, it's just an engine failure. We're fine. Let's just have a bottle of champagne. Everything will be great. Pretty much. While her position in the OSS was boring at first, life in London during the Blitz was anything but. 
Gertie's walks to her temporary home was done by a very faint torch in the pitch dark as everything was blacked out in hopes of the German Air Force missing the city. Oh, the Blitz. That would that would suck to have lived through. Like, I've right? heard a lot and read a lot and seen a lot of, like, movies surrounding the Blitz, and it's just awful. Like, it's so sad, the amount of life lost. Well, I'm, the whole war, sad, the amount of life lost, but... Yeah, that would be rough. And then to, like, be like, yeah, send me anywhere. I'm okay to go to London. I guess they... Was this before the Blitz that she decided to go? Or no, like, it would mean, like... So, during? because, like, remember, America entered the war late. Yeah. Because they refused to go until yes. they were attacked yes. by the Japanese. So, London's already getting hit. Yeah. So then she went in knowing full well what they were dealing with. Pretty so, much. So, like... Kudos to her, but also maybe she's a little bit crazy. Well, I think bit... like, she wanted to be closer to the war front because it'd be more exciting. Yeah, she's, <laughs> she's definitely a thrill seeker, that's for sure. Yeah. So Gertie did carry a blackjack club in her purse for safety, as there were exaggerated reports of violence in the streets during these blackouts. So that was her fear. Was that, oh, somebody's going to, like, mug me. Not that a bomb's going to drop on my head. Okay. <laughs> Priorities are a little bit skewed, but you know what? Okay. <laughs> but behind the blackout curtains and closed doors, there was still a vibrant nightlife in London, which Gertie happily used her social status for in order to party with the high-ranking officials and celebrities. I believe it. <laughs> so everybody else is having to, like, go back to their little thing. And she's like, I'm just going to go hang out with, like, yeah. the high-ranking officials. I'm and, like, go... there's all these, like, British like, yeah. celebrities. I'm going to go just chill with them. Yeah, just going to go dancing, you know. <laughs> we're being bombed. No big deal. Yeah. September of 1944, Gertie was transferred to France, where she got a Women's Army Corps uniform and a ranking of second lieutenant. The offices for the transfers hadn't been built yet, so Gertie and four others decided to take a drive to the German line. Why? Honestly, like, she low-key deserved to be kidnapped at this point. Like, you're just putting yourself in harm's way for absolutely no reason other than you want the clout for it. Well, some sources basically say that she went for a picnic and ended up a prisoner. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure if like the picnic part is completely accurate, but the result definitely is. So the four of them ended up being on the wrong side of the line with their Jeep being shot at. They were basically two options, be killed or surrender. Everything happened in the German village of Waldendorf. That is this, like, little area between Germany and France, just under Belgium, on today's map. Like, I couldn't quite tell if it's G France or Germany. It's almost, like, looks like it's, like, nothing. <laughs> when they were captured, the Americans had begun a relentless shelling of this area, oblivious to the fact that they are prisoners of war, including one of their high-society women in the fray. The captors and their captives were basically stuck in their spot for now. A couple of Gertie's companions were injured in the initial shooting, so Gertie tried to use the excuse of finding a doctor as a way to look for any possible escape. It was fruitless, as the Germans had a line of soldiers up on a nearby hill who would happily have shot her if she strayed too far. I don't want to seem skeptical, but, like, a 
part of me is like, I bet she was really enjoying this, honestly. Like, I'm sure she was scared and stuff, but like, part of me thinks that she's like, oh, like, this is gonna be a great story. Is, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I can't wait to get home and tell all of my friends about this. Right. Well, the German troops asked Gertie what they were doing near the town, and she explained that they were out for a drive and thought that it was in American hands. Because, like, at this point, like, they're, like, like, France was starting to be liberated. So I think she was, they're like, oh, this is, like, we've heard that this is an American hand. We'll just go over here. I, I'm sure it's safe. Uh, kind of like um, in, like, the Ukraine-Russia war currently, like, at the very beginning, there were points where people were going to, like, some of the little areas where they're like, okay, we've heard that this is in the Ukraine's hands, and then they were... Shocked to find out that nope, it's Russia. As Russia's like, ah, no, it's in our hands, and they're like, okay, we're just gonna go this way then. We're just pressed. Bye. <laughs> See, I just think that that why would you even try? Like, why would you even risk it for the story? Yeah, well, like, exactly. Quite, like, for, I mean, for those people, quite literally, because they're pressed. But yeah, okay, I yeah, Ugh. I'm stressed out. <laughs> So Gertie was pretty much laughed at and told that perhaps she'd be back in American hands with an exchange once the higher-ranked German troops were notified. When evening started to fall, Gertie and one of the men were motioned forward and told to move along with a few of their captors. They asked after the others in their party and were told that they would be staying behind to be taken to a hospital in the morning. By midnight, they arrived in another small town and were escorted into a building where they were questioned for a bit before being moved along due to no extra accommodations in that particular building. The next two soldiers who escorted the pair to their next location argued about directions constantly between stops for beer, finally arriving in Whitlitch in the morning. I'm just like, I would be laughing so hard inside as my captors are arguing over directions and then stopping for beer every so often but like are they speaking in german or are they speaking in french because how would she know because she only speaks i think she had like i think she spoke like french and english and a few other languages and i think she had like a a little bit of Uh, german okay that makes sense but yeah, otherwise... Probably enough to know if they're arguing about going left or right. At the yeah, front. that's fair. <laughs> or there's probably, like, some motions as it's like, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And they're, like, at, like, a crossroads. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, uh, you guys are arguing about whether to turn left or right. Which way goes towards the Americans? <laughs> I think I wouldn't want to poke the bear. Let you know, me uh, help you out. <laughs> they have guns. They obviously don't have a problem killing people. I also probably wouldn't have put my or myself in the situation that she's in either. Yeah, well, I think we probably would have been like, we're just going to bunker down here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they spent the day there sitting on wooden benches, waiting anxiously to be moved yet again. Which happened that evening as German and American planes engaged in dogfights above them. After a 15-minute stay in the bomb shelter, they were pushed into a truck and were off to the next stop. At this stop, Gertie was separated from her compatriot and given an option to stay in a bunk bed or go to the jail with the others. Eager to see other Americans, she picked the jail option where she was guided to a small cell that was about 8 by 10 feet with three wooden bunks. When she was woken, she found that she was infested with fleas. Oh. I probably would have stayed in a bunk bed. I don't know. Like, like... I'm not going to the jail. (laughs) Oh, I don't know what I would have done, because, like, 
yeah, I feel like seeing other people that like you, you in theory might be able to give you a little insight of what's happening, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Well, because of Gertie's social status and the fact that she was a woman, one of the other prisoners who she knew started handing her slips of paper with the information of many of the other prisoners. The thought process was that she'd be the first of them to get out and could hopefully get messages back to the families about their loved ones. Um, She did her best to hide them, like, anywhere she could on her person and in her personal effects that she was allowed to keep, like her lipstick, shoulder bag, and U.S. passport. I mean, the U.S. passport, I wouldn't have kept it there. I feel like that's the first thing they're going to look at. But the lipstick, that's smart. Well, the lipstick and then probably, like, trying to, like... Like, she probably, like, made, like, a thing so that she could get the paper, like, on, like, the other side of, like, the interior fabric of the handbag. Yeah. Right? Like. Those those are smart. I don't know what she would have done for the passport, but, yeah, the other things I think are smart. Well, and, like, I bet you she probably, like, used, like, her body as well. Like, to hide it on her body, right? The German officers had high suspicions of the group, especially Gertie. Even the OSS were concerned about Gertie, fearing that she would be the weak link and break under German questioning. I feel like she's going to be the strongest link. Probably. Uh, But Gertie held strong, keeping to her cover story and playing the role of a ditzy American woman. Unfortunately, the questioning at the current camp was nothing compared to the questioning that she was going to be up against in the near future. On October 6th, Gertie and her compatriot Jennings were suddenly escorted into a limousine with Gertie in the front and Jennings in the back between two officers. You can tell who they trusted the most. (laughs) Yeah, but also, like, limousine service. I mean, I guess they're high-ranking officials, but... Well, and I'm guessing that maybe that's just, like, what they had, like, where they're like, we're going to use limousines because we are, like, the top of the... Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. Right? Like, everybody look at the limousine coming through, although I'd also be like, okay, that's what I'm going to bomb first. Yeah. Like... I agree. <laughs> so, Gertie and Jennings were on their way to Diaz Castle in style. Unfortunately, Diaz Castle was the home of the Wormot Interrogation Center. Doesn't sound good. No. Gertie described the castle as one that conjured up pictures of dungeons and thumbscrews, which is exactly what the Germans hoped the castle would convey, as its looming presence was part of their interrogation techniques. It was combined with a stay in solitary confinement before the interrogation really got underway. Many of the German soldiers were fluent in English and would draw on their knowledge of the U.S. in order to make their captives feel friendly towards them. Gertie and Jennings were greeted with one such officer named William Gooswish, who had immigrated to the U.S. in the 1920s and married another German immigrant before returning to Germany in 1939 and was conscripted into the Nazi army. Or at least this is a story that he gave his new prisoners. In reality, he was sent back to Germany for perjury and denied re-entry at first, but then given his re-entry papers where he decided not to use them. He had joined the Nazi party willingly in 1937 and was a member of the National Socialist Teachers League, among other similar organizations. So he's a piece of shit. Yep. Or am I allowed to swear? <laughs> yes. Sorry. <laughs> we swear all the time. You're <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when Gertie and Jennings entered their solitary confinement cells, they were in shock. 
The 6x10 cells were spotlessly clean compared to their previous cells, and there was a care package waiting in each cell. The packages included cigarettes, Nescaf coffee, chocolate bars, powdered milk, lumps of sugar, and a host of other fancy foods. Which is incredible because the German, like, soldiers are like, we can barely eat. Like, we're starving. And the prisoners are like, here's some chocolates. Well, I mean, it was definitely a step up from the mush that they had been eating for the past, like, time. But it was also, like, their technique of it's being like, hey, or, look, yeah. we're being so nice to yeah. you. Give us some information. <laughs> like, we're your friends. Fun. We're not, like, yeah. <laughs> we're not going to use this information in any bad way. No. We're totally <laughs> innocent. You know, the rest of the world is crazy. Yeah. Uh, well, and, like, solitary confinement usually worked extremely well on the American prisoners as they go insane in boredom over the days of absolute quiet, no matter how luxurious the care packages were. The Germans found that the Americans, especially, would talk non-stop once they were released. <laughs> Honestly, I believe it, though. Like, <laughs> I could just see... Like, oh my god, there's another human I get to talk to. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you all about our secret service. <laughs> Uh, this is what I did. This is what I've done. <laughs> These are the people who I'm friends with. Yeah. And she's got a lot of friends. So, like, honestly, if they crack her, she's got a lot to tell. Oh, yeah. She's got a lot to say. Gertie, on the other hand, spent her time retelling herself stories of her life in her head while rehearsing her cover stories that had been ingrained in her through her time in the OSS. So she was smart. She kept herself somewhat sane and I, continued to remind herself of the story so that it basically became, like, second nature to her and, like, she would believe it. Yeah. Which, why didn't anyone else try that? Because they're men. That's fair. Okay. You know what? <laughs> Argument solved. Okay. Like, <laughs> so, Gertie was in the complete right to be worried about what was going to happen to herself and Jennings. The Germans were super suspicious of why they're in Waldendorf and pretty much certain that they were spies. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Those fears were not unfounded, as they had captured some OSS officers earlier in the war with one of them coming from the Washington branch that Gertie was at before. The OSS captives had been sent to one of the concentration camps in Austria, where they were tortured, stripped naked, and then shot with no warnings, their bodies being burnt in the Mauthausen ovens. Gertie and Jennings were at risk of something similar happening to themselves. Did they know this, though? I were they don't unaware? know if they knew it or not. Because I feel a like lot of people probably didn't know. Well, and like a lot of people say that, like, oh, nobody knew anything that was happening. Like there was a lack of communication. So I don't know what the Americans knew yeah. because the British they knew what was happening, but then they hid. Like, they uh, like they hid the fact that they knew because they weren't going to do anything about it because then they were at risk. I was going to say it was it was playing the long game for the British, which then the Americans swooped in and they were like, we saved the day. And the British were like, actually, we, we did. But that's a different story. <laughs> well, and, like, the British were also like, oh, shit, like, if, if our country knew that we knew anything, that we didn't yeah. do anything, we'd be in shit. So we're just going to pretend that we knew nothing yeah. and not let it out that we knew anything about. <laughs> well, I mean, it's the whole, is it the imitation game? Is that? Oh, kind of, yeah. Is that the... With the code that they cracked, and then they, like, actually knew, like, all of the... They knew, like, all of the attacks that the Germans were going to do, but they couldn't say anything because they weren't ready. Like, they... It was a whole thing. Yeah, I think so. But, yeah. 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 So, <clears throat> four days into her stay in solitary, Gertie was suddenly taken to Gushwish's office in the night. While taking a drag of his cigarette and flipping through a notebook, he told her that there was no point in lying to him. They had questions, and she'd answer them honestly if she didn't want to have been put through, like, the usual methods of getting to the truth. Like, you I know, torture. Like, well, I could torture you, ma'am. <laughs> I think that I, as a kidnapped person, would crack so easily under pressure. They'd be like, tell me what you know. And I'd be like, here are all the things that I know. I would not be good. Yeah, but then you're going to die quicker. Yeah, but I think I would want to. Like, I wouldn't yeah, want to go through the torture and stuff. I would rather just be shot and killed than, I don't know, if it seemed like there was, like, maybe a chance. But the minute pain started, I'd be like, no, thank you. I will tell you everything you want to know. So, to any of, like, our special intelligence listening. Um, don't hire Kelly. Do not hire me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not good at secrets. <laughs> 
So for two and a half hours, Gertie smoothly answered his questions, coming up with fake American-sounding names instantly when asked about the people in her office, and somehow kept them straight if questions would round back to these fake people. Yeah, see, I'm not. I'm like, how? I would be like, I would say one name, and then later on be like, wait, shit, what was the name I said? Oh my god! But maybe that's like, because she was a socialite, and so that kind of bluffing and... Because I imagine that's what being a socialite is. You have to, you know, have to know how to play the game. So this is kind of like playing the game. Maybe. So maybe that's. How well, I guess maybe like that she would know so many names and like yeah. be introduced to so many people at a party, and then like it'd be like the social taboo if you forgot their name later exactly. on. Exactly. But yeah, like I would not be able to do it. No. When questioned again the next night, this time being handed a sheet of paper that was found on another of those captured back in September. She feigned innocence once again, claiming to never know what any of the American initials meant due to the ever-changing names. Plus, it just wasn't her job to know. I mean, she's a woman, so, like, it's not unbelievable. But, like, it was even unbelievable that she was in a uniform... That's true. That, that is right where they're really like, yeah. why are you here? Like, you shouldn't be here. Yeah. Through their stay at Diaz Castle, their captors kept changing demeanor, hoping that at some point, either being kind or being hardened would be the key to breaking the prisoners. Soon, Gushwitz even tried to use Gertie's socialite background and her connections to senior U.S. officials. He would sit with her drinking wine from 9 p.m. to anywhere between 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning. He'd express his regrets of leaving the U.S. and tell Gertie that defeat was coming soon and she'd be returned to the Allies. Jennings, however, was transferred from Diaz Castle on October 22nd and sent to a POW camp. Gertie regretted some of her discussions with the German officers, fearful that she would have been released sooner if she hadn't talked about her interesting background. But again, like, she's not trained for this. How is she supposed to know? Exactly, as I'm like, I'm like, if it was gonna keep me alive by telling them stories about like the shit I've been up to in my life, and like, oh yeah, I know these famous people. Yeah, and I mean, like at this point, I think she's, well, at least I would, I would hope that she's just trying to be like, just trying to stay alive and not like, oh my god, this is so much fun, (laughs) I'm so cool. Like I would hope that this is the seriousness of her situation has at this point affected her. Well, hopefully, because rather than being a prisoner of war, she was now a special prisoner, one that just might have connections that could be useful in negotiations. And I mean, she's not wrong. She has a lot of friends in high places. They're not wrong. Well, and soon Gertie's status and connections went through a Nazi party like insane game of telephone. One senior official even went as far as suggesting that she might even be Eisenhower's secretary. I mean, she could have been, honestly. Well, but that meant that then the top dog himself got wind of her, and Hitler himself asked for her to be sent to Berlin and handed to him. You know what? I've, this, this, is, <laughs> this is pretty terrible, but like, I watched this video once of Hitler, and it's a recording of him, and... It's a very short clip, but he's being super, like, charismatic and kind. And it was just such a strange juxtaposition where you're like, this is the worst man in the entire world, 
And here he is being a gentleman. And well, how do you not... think he got elected well, no, in the I first know. place? I know, but it's just, <laughs> like... it's, it's hard for my brain to wrap around that. So, like, for her, she probably, upon meeting him and stuff, is going to be treated very well as opposed to not. Like, the, the being treated poorly is going to come in time, but... He, I mean, he is, he knows how to play the game too. He is yeah. also a socialite in a way. So, well, Gertie was not told about the new plan for her. Oh, it's a surprise. Instead, she surprises. <laughs> Instead, she was told that she'd be going to Frankfurt, then Berlin, and then perhaps after that, she'd be taken to Sweden in order to be returned to her own people. Gertie, bless her heart, believed that she was being taken closer to freedom. She's incredibly naive. I love it. Well, I mean, I guess she, I mean, she is a socialite. Like, I she guess. was, I don't think she grew up, like, being, like, hardened as to, like, the woes of the world. I guess, yeah. But, uh, and I guess it's because we're, we're hindsight looking at this. Yeah. But, like, good God, lady. Like, like you're in the hands of the fucking Germans. <laughs> they ain't sending you to freedom. Yeah, like. They've got other plans. <laughs> plans, exactly. Once in Berlin, Gertie was escorted to the commissioner's headquarters in the southwest suburbs of the city. Her bedroom was a lot better than any of the other accommodations she'd be given, until she realized that the two guards who escorted her would be staying in the same room. As she asked about her departure to Sweden that she was told about, she was only laughed at and told not to worry about it if she was comfortable. I mean, and she was like, okay, yeah, I am comfortable. <laughs> Everything's gonna be fine. Because well, they literally asked her, we're like, so do you find it comfortable? She's like, yeah, well, when am I going to Sweden? And they're like, don't worry. If you're that yeah. comfortable, you're fine. Don't it's worry fine. about it. Everything's fine. Like, just hang out in this lovely bedroom yeah. with two Nazi officers yeah. with you. They're going to be your best friends. It's okay. Well, questioning continued the next day by these new officers, likely in hopes that they'd catch her in a lie or be able to gain more information about what kind of contacts she might have back in America. When officials suggested that Gertie might be able to meet Hitler, she expressed that she wasn't interested. Well, I mean, maybe that was smart. After the war, she almost regretted that hasty decision, saying it might have been interesting to have a close look at the tyrant. <laughs> I mean, oh, this woman, she is special. Like, not even, like... That she going like, thank God I didn't meet the guy who probably could have just killed me right then and there, or told somebody to kill me right then and there if I said something wrong. It was, it would be interesting to have a close look at him before he like died or whatever. Like, you know what? I don't think she regrets being kidnapped at all. I think she, for her, this is almost like a game. Like she seems much too flippant about everything that's happening. Yeah. As Christmas came and went, Gertie continually asked the officers around her about when she was to depart for Sweden. One of the officers answered her by saying that her side hadn't even asked about her, and she retorted that they might not even know that she was alive. Which is totally fair. That is fair, yeah. Like, she was not wrong. Um, she was given permission to write to a U.S. ambassador, but she never knew if it got through. None of her letters to her husband ever arrived at their destination, and his never got to her either. Which makes kind of sense. Like, they weren't going to let her send out shit. Yeah. Like, they would tell her that she could, but... Yeah. 
It was proposed by one of the guards that Gertie should be sent to Lebanau, one of the women and children concentration camps in Czechoslovakia. Luckily for her, the SS had other plans. Instead of being sent to her ultimate death, Gertie was taken to the Rhine Hotel Dresden, one of Hitler's favorite places to stay before the war, to be housed with the other special and honored prisoners of the Reich. Most of the other prisoners were French, and she was bombarded with questions about the state of France as soon as they were able to. Oh, dear. But, like, the the Nazis had, like, a variety of, like, fancy hotels and castles and different places where they would house, like, their most special guests. Yeah, right. (laughs) Like, we're going to make you so nice and comfortable because you're probably, like, the most useful to us yeah. because of your contacts and stuff exactly. like that. Exactly. I, I feel like she was, like, when got asked she's probably like, oh, it's great. It's wonderful. You guys are doing so well there. Like, just, she just seems so naive. Well, I think she, I think she was, like, fairly honest about, like, yeah, like, it's fucking bombed, like, okay. and stuff, right? Like, but I think she was probably a little bit, like, it's bombed, but it's fine, you know, we bells, you're fine. Yeah, you're fine. <laughs> like, it's fine. Like, um, you guys be fine. The Americans are in there. Like, yeah. like, you're being, we're, like, you're under the liberation. We're, we're currently in Germany. Like, we're currently in Germany where all hope seems lost, but yeah. you guys are being liberated right now. <laughs> Life at the hotel was fairly pleasant even with the heating on the fritz. Every morning, they'd have prayer, and then various classes would be taught, held, taught by the prisoners throughout the day, including um, Gertie would te- was teaching them English. But, of course, there were also frequent visits to the bomb shelter in the cellar, as the Allies continued bombing the areas. They were getting closer and closer. By the first day of March 1945, the special prisoners were first forced to retreat across the Rhine to the Hotel Petersburg. This was only temporary as well. The Americans kept advancing, so the Germans kept retreating, focused on keeping their prized prisoners in their control. I mean, she's not unaccustomed to bombing. She was in London. Yeah, well, but like, apparently at the hotels and stuff... She actually refused to go down to the cellars a lot of the time because she found it, like, super claustrophobic that she did not like it. So she just hid in her rooms and Because that's gonna save you if a bomb gets dropped on your building. But it was more comfortable it's for more her. Comfortable. And I mean, I guess, well, you would hope that it would be fast if it had happened. You'd hope. Within two weeks, Gertie found herself sitting in a deck chair in the afternoon sun with a loaded twenty-two rifle in her hands. All right. The hosts that found themselves in charge of an American prisoner needed some assistance with a hawk problem that they'd been having. So the huntress was just, where they're like, great, here's our gun, can you please get rid of this hawk for us? Yeah, I love it. I love that they just gave a prisoner a gun. I mean, I guess what's she going to do with it, really, but wow. <laughs> well, somehow Gertie, like, scored in the home that she was sent to for this leg of her imprisonment. Mrs. Grime treated her with warmth, allowing her to have baths, and served Gertie real tea, rather than the fake shit that she'd been having. The guards were even sent away when Mr. Grime returned home with the promise that Gertie would not attempt an escape. It was the closest thing to normal life that Gertie had experienced since her capture. It wasn't to last forever, but the kindness that she received was not left behind. 
As Gertie was moved along, she left a note with the Grime family that asked the American army to spare the family from any hardship once they reached that corner of Germany in their campaign to end the war. Oh, that's nice. I wonder if it... Did they? Did... I think that it did work because like, she was well known by the Americans at this point. Okay. So... The fact that they had a note in her writing, yeah, as of saying like, "Hey, I've been here. They were super nice to me. Yeah, please spare them. Like, they were like the best of anybody. Yeah. <laughs> Hell, I got to hunt even. Yeah, they gave me a gun. I didn't do anything with that gun, but they gave it. The to only me. thing that would have died was the hawk yeah. <laughs> that was eating their chickens. Yeah. So the German who drove Gertie away from the Grime home was also kind to her and was taking her towards the Switzerland border. But when they got to the checkpoint, the SS officer refused to allow her through. The officer, feeling sorry for her, had pledged to someone that he'd gotten, that he'd get her across to freedom, though he never revealed who he had made the pledge to. So his solution to the issue was that she was just going to have to make an escape. Okay. Like, yeah. just a random German just, being like, he's like, I'm going to get you to safety. You have to escape. <laughs> yeah. Surprise. <laughs> the two of them started to plan out how it would be done. An evening train was known to cross the Swiss border, and so the officer planned on getting Gertie on board once the passengers were off on the German side. She'd then need to hide until it crossed the line into Switzerland. When she made it across, she was at, to ask the first person she saw to direct her to the nearest phone where she would call the American leg- legation. Yeah. At the train station, the two were met by another man who gave her further instructions. She was to lie about where she got on the train, as well as ensure that she didn't tell anyone that she was helped by Germans. If she was captured on the German side of the border, she was to use the same tale and say that she'd been assisted from the French. So basically, we're going to blame a whole other country and make the Germans hate that country even more than they already do. I mean, on from their point of view, if she lets, if she gets captured and she lets them know that Germans helped her, well, they're dead. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I would do the same thing. Well, basically, anybody was dead. That they're yeah. like, we're just rather it wasn't us. Yeah, thanks. which I I appreciate that. I mean, these nice innocent people that we're telling you to blame, they can die. Well, I mean. The Germans were already trying to kill them anyway, so what's one more reason that they, yeah. So the train was late, but she got on without an issue. It wasn't until she was partway through the journey that she realized that the officer's information was wrong. They set her up. The train never crossed the border. When it finally came to a stop, she saw the line about a hundred yards ahead of her. There was only one thing she could do, attempt to cross by foot. The officer had followed her to check on her progress and came up behind her, startling her. He told her to run as fast as she could to the white rails that signaled the border. So she did. Germans immediately noticed her and started to shout for her to halt, but she kept running. One of the guards caught up to her, yelling at her to stop where he'd shoot, his gun being prodded against her shoulder. Like, he was that close. She's not very fast. As she ran, the Swiss guard called out, asking for her identity, in which she called back that she had an American passport, hoping that he'd lift the gate. For some reason, the German guard right beside her never pulled the trigger, and she dove across the Swiss border at 9.30pm, with the Germans still screaming at her from their side of the gate. Was he on her side? Maybe he's like, maybe he was one of those Germans where he's like, he's just tired. He doesn't want to kill anyone anymore. Well, so she was, so there's like, the questions are, was he 
also part of this plan, mm-hmm. as well as was it that he just didn't have the heart to shoot a woman? Yeah. Yeah. Po- both of those things could have been possible. Right. So, and also it's like closer to the end of the war that there, that they might, that he might have been like, there's no fucking hope. I'll yeah. make it look like I'm doing something. Yeah. <laughs> but like, like there's like, we have no hope. Yeah. Like he might be one of those few German soldiers that was actually like, we are in deep shit right yeah. now. <laughs> also, I'm just imagining that she wasn't like, so he runs up behind her, puts his gun against her shoulder, and she's just, like, running, and he's <laughs> running with his gun on her shoulder, and then she's like, I'm gonna jump, and then jumps across the border, like, that it didn't happen as fast. I like that better. I like that. The idea that he's just running with her with his gun on her shoulder. Well, Gertie still found herself in jail temporarily, as the Swiss checked to make sure that she was actually safe and not a German spy. Fair enough, yeah. Another kind family ended up taking her into their home the next day until her situation could be resolved. But this time, she was free. Hmm. Word spread quickly through the Allies that an American woman in uniform made it across the Swiss border, escaping the Nazis. When she was first captured, the Germans made it well known that they had captured their first American woman, and news organizations now spread that the same woman made it across safely into neutral hands. I love it, because they're like, we captured our first American woman, and we also lost her. (laughs) (laughs) Like, she also escaped. First woman captured and first woman to escape. The record isn't great for that. No. So Sidney was elated when he heard the news that his wife was safe and immediately wrote to her in his happiness when he heard. It had to be a secret that it was for sure her, however, as there were still OSS officers in captivity, including Jennings. When she returned to the OSS offices, she tried to thank them for helping her to get out, but they shook their heads. They hadn't let on that they even knew her through the entire ordeal. She was too hot of a target that it wasn't safe for any of them to acknowledge her. (laughs) Nevertheless, Gertie was on a plane home by April 2nd, 1945, to be with her two daughters once more. Oh my god, I forgot that she had kids. Yeah. So her kids basically were just living with, like, their nanny. I love this. She had, oh my god, this woman is kind of infuriating. Like... (laughs) She had two kids, and she's like, send me abroad! And then also two kids, and she's like, I'm gonna go into... Well, she didn't know that she was going into enemy territory, but she's just like, I'm going on a picnic! Like, just... Oh, yeah. Yeah. She had nanny. What does she care? Well, like, like, she's looking after her Her younger... Like, like, I think it was her youngest daughter was, like, four when her her mom came home. So how, how long was she fully gone for. Probably almost like this entire kid's life, I'd say. So like four years. Like that's three a, to four years probably. Like time. like from like when um because I think she I think America entered the war in forty two. Okay, yeah. And then she got home in forty five. So about like two and a half to like three years probably. Yeah. yeah. So this kid and apparently like when she got home, this kid was like freaking out like who the hell is this woman yeah. like go say hi to your mom your mom's home yes. surprise <laughs> surprise the kid's like wait what like, yeah. you're not my mom <laughs> yeah right <laughs> oh my like gosh. i'm confused so 
Gertie went on to live a good, healthy life, passing away peacefully at the age of 97 in her Medway Plantation home on March 8, 2000. Sydney had sadly passed on the same day and month in 1948 due to a heart attack just after an expedition to India that the couple went on with S. Dylan Ripley, a well-known wildlife conservationist of the era. I love that they died on the same day. Like, like, not the same day, but, like... Yeah, but, yeah. like, that they kind of, like, matched yeah. each other, kind of. Like, it's... Who was? <laughs> <laughs> it's like the notebook, but... <laughs> like, it's like the time traveler's wife slash the notebook. Yeah. Uh. Gertie spent her life continuing to collect specimens for various museums, as well as setting up a fund that would ensure that Medway would be managed as a nature preserve for as long as possible. All in all, I I like her. She just, wow. I question a lot of the things that she did, but, like, she's a pretty cool lady, I guess. I mean, like, she got to do pretty cool stuff. She did some pretty cool stuff. She made some weird decisions she to get there. <laughs> weird decisions, but, like, overall, I mean, what a story to be able to tell. Like, what, what a legacy to be able to leave behind. Like, if I was her kids, I'd be like, wow, my mom was a badass. Well, as, like, books were being written about her, both kids, like, refused to talk about their mom. Maybe they didn't like her. Maybe they had some serious, like, trauma from all of this. Well, I mean, they were abandoned for their mom to go freaking, like, get captured by the Germans and basically become, like, Hitler's, like, personal guest. And I guess, like, she didn't seem like she was very... Hands-on? Yeah. And if I had to guess, that didn't change after she got home. Well, no, because she kept going on expeditions. Like, being like, okay, yeah, bye, kids. Ah, to be rich. (laughs) I mean, like, that's basically what we hear about, like, almost, like, all of the heiress stories, is that the parents are like, oh, yeah, I have a kid. That's nice. You go over there. You people raise them. I'll deal with them once they're coming up to society that I can then, like, push them out into... They're there to... Get all the praise and take, like, a, what is that called? When you, when you like, take credit for their accomplishments. Yeah, yeah. But then anything else, it's, like, tantrums, sickness, all of that. Like, not my child, you take care of them. Well, basically, like, these kids, I think, were basically, like, we just need to keep our family line going. Yeah, that's fair. Yep. So that our family can continue to have wealth after wealth. Yes, that's true. <sighs> Old money. Yeah, old, like old it. money. I like it. Well, if you wanted to get Gertie's story in even more detail, you can pick up one of her own novels or one of the source books listed in the show notes. I think Gertie wrote like three, four books mm-hmm. later on in her life, mainly about like hunting and shit. But I think there was at least one that was like a tell-all. A, kind of like a tell-all about mm-hmm. her time with the Hitler. <laughs> Her time with Hitler. She didn't actually spend any time with Hitler. No, but she probably would have been like, I saw Hitler. Yeah. I feel like she totally would have taken Where she's credit. like, I kind of regret not seeing him, yeah. but I'll tell you that I saw yeah, him. exactly. <laughs> like, I was his personal guest. Yeah. <laughs> Never actually met the man, but I was his personal guest. He loved me. <laughs> he loved me and the fact that I could tell him all about you guys. Yeah, exactly. You're welcome. <laughs> but I didn't because I'm better than everyone else who was ever captured. Pretty much. So, another special thank you to my fabulous guest for the past two episodes, Kelly. 
Hey. <laughs> Hopefully we'll hear her on another episode in the near future, but I'm super grateful that you were able to join me for these stories. Next week I have another special guest joining me to talk about some Hollywood scandals surrounding a certain chateau on Sunset Boulevard. <gasps> Stephanie is the host of the Historia podcast and a fellow Canadian, so I'm really excited to have her come on as another history nerd. Hopefully Kat will be able to join us again as well if she can make it work with her schedule and downtime. But never fret, you can still catch both Kat and I on our other podcast, Meet Us at the Drive-In, where we watch and then chat about movies. And maybe Kelly will join us one time too. It's very possible. They can't see me doing this, but I'm doing <laughs> I'm doing a, a face thing. <laughs> maybe when like six becomes like oh, a movie musical. Could we do a... Like, when we go see it, the play, it's not quite a drive-in movie, but then we can, like, we'll do it in the car, a podcast in the car, and we'll oh. discuss on our way there and on our way back, maybe. That'd be cool. Ideas. Well, I mean, I know Kat and I have, like, a pile of movie musicals on our movie mm-hmm. list anyways, so we'll have to have you on for, like, one of those. Okay, okay, cool, cool, cool. But doing a six one, yeah, we could just do, like, the full history of six, and... Tie in the show. Full history of six on the way there, and then on the way back, discussing the musical. Yeah. 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 Part one, part two. Keep your eyes and ears (laughs) open, fans. So, until next time, we'll see you on the weird side of history. Bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I really hope that you found something new and will check out the resources in the show notes to get more information. In the meantime, I would really appreciate it if you could rate and review on your favorite podcast platform so more history nerds can find me. Don't forget to check out our Instagram page at WDYKA Podcast, as well as considering helping me out with a donation or membership on Buy Me a Coffee. The link is in the show notes and on our IG link tree. Thanks so much and see you next time on the lesser known side of history.